Good morning and welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly glad to see everybody coming on the live on this morning. I hope that you're having a fantastic Tuesday in the name of the Lord. We got a jam-packed show for you on this morning. Uh, Fat Joe was in the news uh, earlier this, uh, early, late last week as he was talking to us about the fact that he lies in 95% of his raps. And so we're going to talk about um, the fact that he was making money, you know, spouting lies uh, to everybody as he was rapping about his lifestyles and whatnot. We're also going to talk about how sometimes you can feel like there's no room for you in your relationship and what you should do um, when you feel like you're playing second fiddle to someone else's reality rather than being able to live in your own truth. Uh, we're also going to talk about the fact that um, Florida State University was left out of the college football playoff um, as are something praiseworthy. And I know that sounds strange. Well, how can them being left out be something praiseworthy? Well, I'll explain it to y'all at the end and when we get to that segment of the show. But we are going to start our show off with our morning word as we're continuing our series entitled Shadows of the Cross, as we're going through the book of Hebrews to see how everything in the Old Testament and everything in the Bible um, in general is a shadow of Jesus Christ and his atonement for our sins and his supremacy um, in heaven as he has governing, governing, reigning, and ruling in, in, our, in the entirety of our lives. And so again, I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, Feel free to drop down in the comment box with any question or comment that you may have. And toward the end of the show, we'll drop down into this comment box and we'll answer as many questions as we can toward the end of the show. We just ask that you keep it classy so that way we don't get shadow banned by TikTok. Um, but again, any question or comment or concern that you have, feel free to drop down in that comment box and let us know how you're feeling and how you're living. Um, and we'll try to answer those questions again at the end of the show. We're going to start off with a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into Hebrews chapter 5 as we're continuing our series entitled Shadow of, Shadows of the Cross. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. Lord God, we are so thankful uh, that you've given us this opportunity to be able to worship you on today. We're thankful that you woke us up this morning, that, you start, that you're starting us on our way on today. Uh, God, we're just thankful for life, health, and strength on today. We're asking, God, that this show be none of me and all of you. Every word that's said, prayer that's prayed, every comment that's read off, Lord God, we're asking that it be a testament to the true and living God. Uh, that we that everything that we do is all about you, that you get all the glory, you get all the honor, and you get all the praise for it all. Uh, we're asking God that you uh, use this show to touch somebody's heart on today, uh, strengthen and encourage the brethren, uh, continue to you know um, embolden us and uplift us, uh, to continue to do the things you called us to do and to revel in who you've called us to be. And for those who don't have a walk with you, Lord God, may we say something on today that pierces the hearts that they may grow to love you, bless you, and honor you in both duty and delight. And Lord God, we thank Jesus Christ, uh, the second in the Holy Trinity, for making all this possible by living the life that we couldn't live, dying the death that we deserved, rising again with all, with all glory and power, ascending into heaven, and soon to return to uh, um, back to earth once again. Lord God, to usher us into the kingdom, and in doing so, having transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, that we may be called the sons and daughters of God. And all this will be so careful to give your name, praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's jump into this word on today. 
Um, um, and, and one, one more, one more um, housekeeping item again. Uh, we're so grateful that come January, um, January 2024, we will be moving our time from 6 a.m. Eastern to 10 a.m. Eastern. So that way we can capture all of America um, and be able to wake up with everybody um, um, from the West Coast to the East Coast. And so I'm uh, so grateful that God has given us this opportunity being able to uh, be able to capture all of America and not just here on the East. And so definitely excited about that. So just keep your eyes open. Again, we're going to be... Uh, we're gonna be moved. We're gonna move the show's time to 10 a.m. on December the 12th, December the 13th, and December the 20th as kind of a test run of um, of the show being on at 10 a.m. And so be looking out for that as well. But again, we just want to thank God for what He is doing for this show and how He is allowing us to get the gospel to as many people um, as we can as we're waking up with the Lord um, on um, on every morning um, and just get, again glorifying God right here on the True Gospel Morning Show. <clears throat> so starting in chapter 4, uh, starting at ver uh, in verse 14, uh, we're going to continue talking about this shadow of Jesus Christ. Again, uh, what we've discovered thus far is that Jesus is the messenger. Um, that, you know, different messengers came throughout the Old Testament through prophets and through angels. And that they were all testifying to the supremacy of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is now the messenger um, that is... Um, that we should be listening to, that we should be paying attention to, and that we should be following. We found that he is greater than Moses. In being greater than Moses in so much that he has ushered us into a spiritual promised land and a spiritual rest that allows us to be free from the tyranny of sin, the tyranny of darkness, the tender, the um, tyranny of bondage, and allowing us to be able to uh, walk into peace, to walk into prosperity, and to walk into hope. Um, and hope that is eternal. And so while this body is wasting away, we look forward to the great day when God will crack the sky and lead us into the spiritual promised land, the new heavens and the new earth that he promised us all, this, all those years ago. And in doing so, he is now the greater Moses and the greater rest. As he says to us, come all to me who are heavy laden and I will give you rest for your souls. Therefore, now, uh, we can continue in our, um, our series. We look at how Jesus is the great high priest um, and is kind of the bulk of what uh, the author of Hebrews is refer is, is talking about um, through for, for several chapters. Uh, but we're going to break. We're obviously going to break it down because it's just way too much to um, try to get off in one shot. But we're going again, to start with verse 14 of Hebrews chapter four, as it says, since we then have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. 
And he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. I'm going to turn to Philippians chapter 2, uh, which by now, if y'all have watched the show long enough with me, should be a very familiar passage of scripture because we do a drive-by at least, at least twice a week in Philippians chapter 2. Um, uh, Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse number 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, to the glory of God the Father. So what we see is that the, the, the Levitical priesthood, their job was to make a prayers and supplication for the, um, for the Israelite nation. It was their job to stand in the gap, to be the bridge between God and man. It was their job to offer up sacrifices for the atonement of sins, for the sins of the people but, and the sins for themselves. It was their job. They were assigned. It was their responsibility to be the mouthpiece of God, to um, be the one who ministered to the people, who showed them the way, who led them on the path of righteousness, who allowed them to be able to know what God loves, what God hates, how to live a life that's holy, how to live a, God, how to live a life that's righteous. It was their responsibility and it was their job to make sure that that was happening. God appointed the Levitical priesthood, appointed the Levites to have this responsibility. And they were appointed by God um, to do this task. They didn't choose this task. This task was given to them by God. If we recall in the Old Testament, the Levitical priesthood, um, their job was just to minister. That's all they did. They, they, they didn't, they, so they didn't have a land to call their own. Um, they didn't have farmland, rather, to call their own. They literally lived in the grounds of, you know, of the of, of where the temple was, and they just they, they worked and lived in the temple in, in temple work all day, every day, and went around the other provinces um, to minister to them about the ways of God and how to live a life that's holy and everything else in between. Again, this appointment came from God, and this is important because. Um, they didn't give it to themselves. They didn't choose that job for themselves. It wasn't something that they said, well, you know what? We need priests. So how about we become priests and went forward? No, God appointed them. First, first Aaron and then so forth. God appointed them to be the high priests for, uh, for the Israelite nation. In that same way, Christ 
was chosen by God to be our high priest. He says again in, in, in chapter 5, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. Again, talking about the Levitical priesthood. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward see, he, since he himself is beset with weakness. Again, talking about the Levitical priesthood. He can sympathize with them because he himself has his own sins that he's got to atone for. So the Levites have, should have compassion for anybody who's needing atonement for sins because he himself needs atonement for sins, right? Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron did. So also, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you, and also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So again, Christ himself was appointed by God to be our high priest. He was appointed by God to be our high priest. As we've said before, the, 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 the redemption of the saints was always in the plan of God. As the redemption of the saints was always God's way of showing us who he is and his compassion toward us. From the beginning, it's always been his plan for redemption to come through. And it's always been in the plan of God for Christ to be the one who would have make who would make the ultimate atonement for our sins. As such, he has been chosen by God for this work, much like the Levitical priests were chosen for that work. And so we can be can be um, can be glad that God has chosen someone to stand in the gap for us. In the days of his flesh, verse number seven, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Again, Christ being in the form equal with God did not count equality with God a thing to take advantage of. But he emptied himself and became, and became um, in the form of a human and um, being in the likeness of men was obedient to God even to the point of death. He revered God despite being equal with God. And despite knowing his place, he, uh, he obeyed everything that God told him to do. Everything that God said, everything that God thought, everything in the plan of God, Christ was obedient even to the point of death. And we know even beyond that. So, although he was a son, verse number 8, he, uh, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. Therefore, for us as the believers of God, um, we see that every knee shall bow 
in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Again, going back to Philippians chapter 2. So, because of this, we know that Christ has been highly exalted, right? He's been highly exalted. And for most of us, you know, we, we understand and we get that. But for a lot of us, we, we don't, well, for a lot of us, we don't care to worship God because we feel like God doesn't understand what we're going through. Going back to verse number two and three of chapter five, he, talking about the Levitical priests, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for those of the people. The Levitical priests were, I'm not going to say unique per se, but they were able to have a, a, a certain sympathy for the believers in Israel because they themselves had to atone for their sins. They had to atone for their sins, just as they had to atone for everyone else's through the sacrifices that they make made year after year after year, the goats and the rams and the bulls and the doves and all that. They understood that they needed their own atonement, so they atoned for themselves as well as atoning for the others. Jesus is perfect, so there was no need to atone for his own sins. And yet, Jesus understands us better than the people of Israel, better than the Levitical priests. For it says, going back to chapter 4, verse 14, since we then have a great high priest. Well, let me let me not say that first. I want to, let me back up. Uh, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. That is so important for us because what that tells us and what that should remind us of is that Jesus knows everything that we are going through. As it, as the as the hymn as the um the the hymn writer says in what a friend we have in Jesus, he says to us there, um Jesus knows our every weakness. Jesus knows our every weakness. What have we been saying for the past few days now? The knowledge of God is not just knowledge of like of like reading a history book or reading an encyclopedia or reading a, sci a scientific journal and knowing a bunch of facts. Jesus knows, God knows everything that we're going through on an intimate level. He knows not just because he's seen it, not just because he, 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 he knows everything, but because he lived it himself. At every point in the human experience, Jesus was tempted, and yet without sin. And in doing so, he is able to be both the just and the justifier. The just and the justifier. Romans chapter 3, if I'm not mistaken, speaks to this.
Verse number 25. Well, let me go to, I'm going to go 21 to 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. There's that shadow right there. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation. As a propitiation uh, for our sins by his blood. To be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So again, he's telling us there that we as the people of God have a high priest who understands us on an intimate level, had at every point was tempted like us, suffered like us, went through like us. But his perfection is what made him the perfect sacrifice for sin. And only he could do it. Live the life that we deserve, that we couldn't live, and died the death that we deserve, that upon repentance and belief, we might be called the righteousness of God. And so he's been highly exalted by God to be our high priest. So he reigns supreme in the universe. And yet, and, and he suffered every point in the human experience and lived a sinless life. And sinless meaning that he never did anything outside of the will of God. If it was in God's will, he did it. If it wasn't, he didn't. Everything he did was under the guise and the direction of God. And he obeyed everything that God wanted him to do from, from inception to ascension. As a result, he reigned supreme in the world. And, and he is, he sympathizes with us so that when it says then in verse 14 of chapter 4, since we then have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, for everything that we've said thus far, let us hold fast our confession. Jesus is so great. He died on the cross for our sins, lived the perfect life and credited it to us. It's told us that if we that he that he is there for us to cast all our cares on him, that he's promised us eternity in the life to come. He's promised peace for our souls now. He's he promised us that, you know, we can have peace with God right now, that we no longer have to live in darkness, that we can live in light, that we can have peace, we can have love, we can have joy, we can have favor, we can have forgiveness, we can have hope, we can have love. All of these things are eternally secure in him. That we, that the peace that is coming for us, that he has ushered us in, he's credited us his righteousness and transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And we didn't have to work to earn it. 
We didn't have to, we ain't got to work to keep it. We ain't got to, um, you know, ascend to some, to, to some point in our walk with him in order to have it. We don't have to do any of those things in order to be in the kingdom except to repent and believe, to denounce any other gods and say, I'm pledging allegiance to Jesus. I, you know, I, 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 all my attention, my ultimate attention, my ultimate affection, my ultimate allegiance goes to God and God alone. And I believe everything that he says, I believe everything he says I am, everything that he says I'm not, everything that he says he is, everything he says he's not. I believe in all his precepts, all his rules, all his ways, and I'm pushing all my chips in. I'm saying, if God, if I'm wrong about God, and when the end comes, then I am doomed. Because I'm pushing all my chips in. I will have no other gods before him, and I will believe in nothing else for my salvation, for my peace, for my hope, for my love, for my joy. If we believe, then God is telling us that, 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 that he is our great high priest, that we hold fast to our confession. We hold fast to our confession. And as it says further up in chapter 4, verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by, fall by the same sort of disobedience. Go down now to verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace where our high priest Jesus reigns that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So I can now go boldly before the throne of grace and tell Jesus, I need you. I, 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 I'm, I, I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. I'm going through tough times, going through trials and tribulations. I'm struggling in my sanctification walk. This, this path of righteousness that you got me on uh, is a struggle. And yet I'm leaning and dependent on you for the for the forgiveness of sins for you know for for the for the redemption of my soul and for my sanctification as I'm walking from one day to the next alongside you knowing that my peace with you is eternally secure knowing that my home is eternally secure knowing that I am exactly where you want me to be and I will be able to reign with you both now and forever cuz I we serve a high priest who reigns supreme in the universe. All of this is his, and he's running all of it. He is under the earth, he's over the earth, he's through the earth, and all the stars in the sky. It all belongs to him. And he suffered for us so that he can know what we're going through. He sympathizes with our weaknesses understands that we have our shortcomings, understands that we're not always going to get it right, understands that we're going to make mistakes. I was talking to a couple yesterday, and before I even forget, let me go ahead and put that in this um in this thing right now so that way I can, I can talk about it in further detail tomorrow. Um, I was talking to a couple yesterday, and they were talking about how... They thought that their relationship would be better than this because they find themselves bickering over little stuff all the time and they felt like their whole relationship was just on, on the rocks because they were like, you know, we keep bickering over little stuff and if we're bickering over little stuff, then what's to stop us from, from, from fighting over big stuff? And I had to tell them, when, when, did, when, did, they, when did people say their relationships were perfect? 
Like, you're going to bicker. You're going to bicker over little stuff. As long as you finish bickering and don't sweep it under the rug, it's okay to have disagreements. It's okay to try to, you know, to, to, to have arguments every now and then. Because you're not always going to see eye to eye. Fight well. Fight peaceably. You know, know that you're not intentionally trying to hurt. And and, and go through that. But it does, it's not an indictment on your relationship. A marriage is a journey. You choose the, the partner you want to do life with. And, Nicole, I choose you. <clears throat> choose the partner that you want to do life with and then go do life. Life is not perfect. And so why are you expecting your marriage to be perfect? It's not, your marriage isn't bad. Your marriage is great. It's just not perfect. And that's okay. You're not meant to be perfect. Especially not in this life. But you're meant to walk well. To serve well. To live well. And every day, you're getting better and better at how you're communicating with one another. In that same way, our relationship with Jesus Christ is never going to be perfect because of us. Our relationship with God is perfect because of Him. He makes our relationship with Him perfect. Even in our imperfections. When we're faithless, God is still faithful. And so our relationship in its perfection is not about us being perfect and walking perfectly, although we're striving for perfection every day, but it's because we serve a perfect Christ who has given us a perfect relationship with him in terms of our position in the kingdom. You can't knock yourself out of the kingdom once you're in. Once Christ makes you his, you are his. Ain't nothing you can do about it. You can go wayward like the prodigal son, but guess what? Your relationship to the father is is absolute. Once he makes you his, you, you there's nothing you can do to knock yourself out of the kingdom. If you if you so some people will call themselves ex-Christians, if you're an ex-Christian, it begs to reason that you might not have been a Christian to begin with. Because even even all throughout the book of Psalms, we see people who struggled in their faith, struggled to keep their faith, and yet they never denounced God. Job himself struggled, but he never denounced God. He denounced the day he was born, but he didn't denounce God. So the, again, our relationship with God may find hiccups every now and then, but that's why when we have hiccups, we go boldly to the throne of grace. And say, God, I need you. God, I'm struggling. God, I'm going through. God, I'm having a hard time. God, I can't do this without you. God, I thank you that you died for my sins and rose again because I need you in this moment. I need you in this situation. I need you in this circumstance. I need you more than I need anything and anybody else right now. And we can do that boldly. When we have our hangups and we have our issues and we have our problems, Christ lets us know, come to me. Like, you don't have to go to the bottle. You don't have to go to your best friend. You don't have to go to, you know, to somebody in the late night hours. You don't have to go to drugs. You don't have to go to, to, to overworking yourself and working your fingers to the bone. You don't have to do any of those things. You don't have to climb ladders and you don't have to step on people and you ain't got to be bitter to folk. You can bring those problems to me. I want to help you win those things. 
We can sometimes feel like I, I'm, I'm too dirty. I'm too filthy. I've done too much stuff. I did too many scandalous things last night. I did. I did. I drank too much. I smoked too much. I had too much loose sex, whether it be hetero, homo, whatever. I had too much. I, I had the wrong type of sex. I, you know, I, um, I, you know, I, I put, I put too much, you know, time and work, and, and I neglected my kids, or I neglected my spouse, or I did this, or I did that. There's no way that God could love me. And God is saying, I died for that. All of that, I became what you couldn't be so that you can bring that stuff to me. Cast all your cares upon me, those who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Your soul is resting in me. Catch up. Give your problems to me. Give your issues to me. Give your burdens to me. I promise you, it may not it may not be easy but it gets easier as we devote ourselves more and more to the supremacy of Christ and all that he says about himself and all that he has done for us and what he says about us we can bring our burdens bring our trials bring our tribulations bring our issues to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace in the time of need because we serve a high priest who is supreme in the heavens and yet descended to the earth so that he knows what we're going through he may not be like a he he's he, he's not a levitical priest who had to atone for his own sins before he could then make atonement for us but he knows about every last sin that we have and was tempted just like us yet without sin, which makes him the greater Levitical priest. The, the, so we don't, we, don't have to, we don't have to go to the pastor to ask for forgiveness of sins. You can go to the throne yourself. You ain't got to go to bishop. You ain't got to buy a prayer cloth. You ain't got to buy oil. You ain't got to, you know, you know, purchase, you know, anything. You don't have to lay before a physical altar. You can go to Christ right now and say, God, forgive me. God, check my heart. Check my pulse. See if there's anything that's not like you. Purge me. Make me wash me clean. White as snow. Help me to be. Everything that you've called me to be. Help me to do everything that you called me to do. Help me to revel in you. To rely on you. To depend on you. To be one with you. Because you did that for me. You died for me. You got on the throne. You got on the, the, on the cross for me. You reign on the throne for your glory for me. And so again, we, the people of God, can rejoice in the fact that we serve a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses and at every point was tempted and yet without sin. And as a result, we can go boldly before the throne of grace and say, God, I need you. God, I can't live without you. God, I can't do it without you. Help me. To be more like you. Help me 
to 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 serve to serve you well. Help me to be to to be molded and shaped into your image from one degree of glory to the next, and allow me to live in your peace, to revel in your love, to bask in your forgiveness, and to recognize that I can have peace in my soul, even when all hell is breaking loose literally across my life. I can rest in you. I can be like you. That when the storm was raging, I was in the I can be in the boat, sleep. Knowing God's got it. So we see that Christ is the greater Levitical priest. That though he didn't sin and needed to atone for his sins, he was at every point tempted and without sin. So that we could be called the righteousness of God. Died of the death that we deserved by making atonement, becoming the sacrificial lamb. So that we could go boldly to the throne of grace. And talk to someone who knows what we're going through. You ever had that person when you're going through something and they give you a hug and be like, yeah, man, I know exactly what you're going through. That's Jesus. I know exactly what you're going through. Been there, done that, wore that t-shirt. And we can take comfort in the fact that because he knows, because he knows and because he lives, we can face tomorrow. So going back to what a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it and everything that comes with it to the Lord in prayer. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thank you for the 458 likes that we've received thus far. Thank you for every like, every follow, every comment, every share. If you missed any part of this message or would like to listen to past episodes, stop by Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and sign up and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Listen to every episode from inception to now. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about how Fat Joe told um, told America that 95% of his raps were all lies and what that means for us um, as the people of God um, and what we should glean from, what, from him saying that. We thank you so much for watching, and we'll be right back in just a moment.
watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, Want to again thank you guys so much for watching on today. Um, as a, as a um, just a cliff note, want to um, let you guys know January 2024 we're going to be moving from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. here on the East Coast so that we can capture all of America and be able to share this gospel with everyone from the West Coast to the East Coast. Um, and on our True Gospel Morning Show. And so, again, we're grateful that God has given us this opportunity to be able to um, hit everybody from one side of the country to, to another with this good gospel um, with this good gospel message and hope that it is um, edifying to the soul. So if you're watching here and you've been a regular here at 6 a.m., we hope that you'll move with us to 10 a.m. We know it's a, a four-hour jump. Um, but again, we believe that it is going to help. It's going to help a whole lot of people along the way. And so, if you don't, if you want to join this bandwagon, um, feel free to do so. But always know that every episode will be uploaded to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you do miss any part of these, uh, if you do miss any of these shows, we will experiment with this on twelve twelve, twelve thirteen, and twelve twenty, and then go to our permanent time slot on January second of twenty twenty four. All right, so let me turn the camera around so that way I, you guys can see what I see. Um, here we go. All right, here we go. Because I've lied in almost 95% of my songs. <laughs> I'm being not lied. Just go... I, I write like I feel that day. Mm -hmm. I'm just being creative. You know, you, you could probably put, you couldn't build the jail high enough for the lyrics I've said on songs, which are all untrue. What I am is a family man, the person who gives back to my community all the time, open businesses in my community. So the music would never amount to the actual person, Joseph Carter Jr. Mm -hmm. Play it one more time for y'all so y'all can hear it from the beginning. Uh, I've been rapping professionally for 30 years. I've lied in almost 95% of my songs. I'm being not lied. I write like I feel that day. Mm -hmm. I'm just being creative. You know, you, you could probably put, you couldn't build the jail high enough for the lyrics I've said on songs, which are all untrue. What I am is a family man, the person who gives back to my community all the time, open businesses in my community. So the music would never amount to the actual person, Joseph Carter Jr. Mm -hmm. I say, and what I do as an elder statesman of hip hop is for you and your kids and everybody like young CJ who rap. So when I get up in there and I say, yo, 95% of the stuff I say ain't true, letting them know. Like, if you would think Rico Love is on here, is one of the greatest songwriters ever made. You know, the album that Usher sold 10 million, everything Rico Love wrote that. There's no way Rico could tell me every word was real. Because it's not. We move off of inspiration. And so we get inspired. And then one day I'll go to the studio, I'm mad. So I write some fuck the police. One day I'm happy with the family. I go in the studio and I write about love and peace and tranquility. And then I write some gangster shit. You know, what I'm explaining to you, putting myself on CNN on the hot seat for hip-hop culture and hip-hop music. It's not, and I have to say 95% of what I say is a lie so that they can understand that it's unfair 
to try some kids for the rest of their life with shit they might have not done. If I take 20 up and coming artists around this block right here on the corner, one of them is gonna say he got a Bentley, one of them is gonna say his watch, one of them is gonna say he robbed a bodega, one of them is gonna say, None of this shit is true. And so what you gotta understand is that it's creativity, it's imagination. Those who know, know. Now if I say that I use my imagination, my creativity and my music, don't mean I ain't live a real fucking life in the streets. What I say and what I do as an elder statesman All right, so let's get into it. Like we have, well, a lot of what we have been, you know, talking about for a long time now, right, is the fact that there's a lot of people who, um, a lot of our entertainers and a lot of our rappers and a lot of our, um, our actors and actresses, they are very, they, 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 they exaggerate the truth about the lives that they live and the things that they have and that sort of thing, right? Um, so there's a conversation going on because hip-hop has reached 50 years old. And there's conversations about people that are saying that, you know, hip-hop culture, for all the good that it's done, you know, what good has it really done? Because it's perpetuated and glamorized a gangster lifestyle, a, you know, um, a promiscuous lifestyle. I'm trying to use the correct words and not the word I want to use there. Um, and glamorized it to the point where people think that that's reality. Um, and 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 because of that, a lot of people have a lot of uh, a lot of angst and frustration toward hip hop culture, whether they were in it and then they got out of it, or whether they were never a part of it to begin with. And so, um, a lot of um, a lot of the a lot of what's happened in um, hip hop culture as a whole has been to glamorize a lifestyle that is non that is not um that should not be glamorized like they sing about what they know about that so, so to speak they sing about what they've heard about fat joe um the in the reason why they're bringing this up so let me give some backstory there are some rappers that are on trial now for crimes that uh the prosecutors are saying they rapped about in their lyrics and so if you put it in your lyrics you must have put it in your lyrics because it's true. Fat Joe got on the screen on the screen to 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 add to, add to offer a rebuttal, saying ninety five percent of what he rapped about was not true. You know that whenever he got in the booth, he rapped what he felt that day. He rapped what he was imagining about it. He rapped what he was thinking about. Doesn't mean that he didn't have a hard life, but a lot of the stuff that he rapped about was exaggeration, was fabrication, was imagination. And as a result, if he were to if he were to, you know, be put on trial for his lyrics, there weren't he said he said it like this and it was a really good um description. There are the jail walls wouldn't be high enough for the things that he rapped about. Because a lot of what he said in those raps, you know, were about violence, were about, you know, doing really really messed up things and if a, if a prosecutor tried to use his lyrics against him he'd be living under the jail and so he was saying it's difficult to try kids or to try you know the, these people who have made these raps because 
nine times out of ten, they're lying. As he described, you had a ki- hey, kids that are up and coming now and talk about, I got a Bentley or I got a Rolls Royce or I got this or I got that. Man, they barely, they barely got a um, barely got a Honda, barely got a Honda Accord. But they're rapping about you know Bentleys and Rolls Royces and all those things in an attempt to try to sell music for the consumer. They're trying to glamorize a lifestyle for the consumer. We're buying the stuff, right? So they gonna rap what sells, and so. They're using their creativity and they're using, you know, what they what they know to do and, and as they're writing their lyrics. And as a result, if they were to write about gangbanging or, or write about violence or write about, you know, you know, promiscuity or write about, you know, doing all sorts of heinous things, pill popping, all that kind of stuff, then chances are any Rico um trial um trial judge or or, or, or prosecutor could take their lyrics right now and try them off of some crime that might have been committed that is coincidental to the lyrics that they wrote. Now, I am not suggesting that some of these rappers ain't talking about some truth now, because some of them did actually do some of these crimes and write a song about it. I mean, they had a situation happen uh, with somebody, I think it was close to home actually, who, who put on a whole song on the internet days after committing a crime. Like, you dummy like why would you do that thank god you did that you told on yourself but dummy why would you do that so bold um but to that end um he said but again to that end you know glamorizing the lifestyle they're writing they're writing about what they know or what they've imagined or what they know is going to sell and as a result of that um a lot of the lyrics that we see in the songs today fat joe is saying you know, you can't, you, we shouldn't count those lyrics against them when it comes to the court of law because most of the stuff they're talking about is lies. It's coincidental, but a lot of it is lying. Because, again, you got people who rap about being a gangster and all this kind of stuff, but, dude, they go to private school. <laughs> they, they, they got straight A's. They, 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 they want to call themselves A-Town, but their name is really Anthony. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so, again, what, what we find is that, you know, we want so badly to sell records or to be popular or to be famous or to have our names shown in lights that some of us are willing to perpetuate a lifestyle that sometimes we don't even live in ourselves. We're trying so hard to be popular among people we're trying so hard to make money or to be known or to be famous that we're willing to do whatever needs to be done in an attempt to get them to like us, to get them to, to, to buy our stuff, to get them to, 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 to sell our records and to promote our names and to, take a, to get us on tours and all this type of stuff. And it's been going on since the dawn of time. We see it perpetuated more so now than any other generation where it used to be, I'm just trying to be popular for my friends in school, but now I'm trying to be popular on TikTok. And so whatever whatever the latest trend is on TikTok, let me go make a video and do the latest dance, or let me do the latest challenge, or let me do, you know, um, the, 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 the latest, you know, sexy thing to do. You know, let me do the silhouette t- challenge, or let me, they got it now where, let me put my phone on the ceiling so you can see what's going on on my bed. 
and 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 they do these things all in an attempt to get fame, glory, notoriety, money, you name it. Trying to continue to perpetuate popularity so that they can get their likes up or get their monies up or whatever. Some of it do some of them do it for attention, some of them do it for a money grab. Yeah, some people who will put themselves out there, they don't care who sees, they don't care who knows. They just trying to get that bag. But whatever the motivation, they'll find themselves perpetuating a lifestyle that sometimes does not match their own lives. They're literally putting on a show. Literally putting on a mask. Literally putting on for the masses. Fat Joe himself admitted, you know, I, I did it because I'm doing the music for y'all. Yeah, I'm writing about what I'm going through, you know, internally or in my mind. And so I'm just writing what I'm saying today. You know, the cop made me mad. So now I'm in the booth saying F the police. You know, I had a great day with my family. So I'm writing about love, you know. But did these things actually happen? You know, the things that I'm exaggerating? No. So he's telling us, consumers, that we are buying lies. We are buying deception. We are buying deceit. We are buying fallacies. And yet we're consuming these things. And some of us are consuming them because it helps to accentuate the life that we're living or highlights a life that we want. So we're buying in to what they're telling us and saying to ourselves, I want to continue to perpetuate this, building my echo chamber so that I can live, I can be who I want to be. We as the believers in God, what can we take from this? One, we see that the world is under the guise and the operation of the enemy. And will perpetuate itself in an attempt to keep people chained and bound. So you want something you want to know what to pray for? Pray that the wool be taken off of people's eyes. We thank God for Fat Joe for revealing the truth. 95% of his raps are lies. If you've been believing in Fat Joe, you might want to rethink believing in Fat Joe, because even though he had a hard life, he ain't he ain't have it as hard as he as he as he said he did. And he admitted it. He admitted it. And it ain't something I'm saying. It's something that he admitted. A lot of your rappers that you think are so hard, if you go and have a conversation with them, you realize they ain't as hard as they as you think they are. But they're they're perpetuating a lifestyle in an attempt to get your money. Some of them are about that life. Whatever life it is, you're thinking that they're that they're part of. Some of them are part that about are about that life. But some of them are also keeping up in appearance for the sake of some for the sake of something else. Which brings me to point number two. We as the people of God must have a discerning eye to know the difference between someone who is a believer in God and someone who is putting on a show. There are a lot of people who can preach the word, teach the word, give you really good truth, and it be gospel-centered. 
God said it himself. My word would not go out and return to me void. It's going to accomplish everything it set out to accomplish. So if a donkey can give some word, anybody can give a word. But we have to have a discerning eye to be watchful for the life that they live when the lights are off. What are you doing behind closed doors? What are you doing in the shadows? The life that you live in public, is that the same type of life that you're living in private? The person that you are when the lights are on, or is that the same person that you are when the lights are off? Now, I'm not saying that we don't put on professional versus personal, like have boundaries, but is the same person that you are, are, the, the, are you being transparent? Not vulnerable, but transparent amongst everyone. Or are you only a believer when it's convenient? Are you only a believer when it's comfortable? Are you only a believer when it will gain you something? There are a lot of people, and um, Tim Ross admits to this, there are a lot of people in the gospel music genre, I'm talking your, you know, Holy Ghost good time, not, but I mean, probably, they're probably in the Christian genre too, because you know, you got your Christian, and you got your gospel genres, but anyway, but there are a lot of people, they sing heaven down, and yet their lives are full of hell. They can sing till the till glory comes. Singing your favorite songs. And yet their lives are so full of darkness. Now, doesn't change their lyrics. Lyrics are bomb. When Ty Tribbett was going through what he was going through, it took me a long time to really understand and unpack that because I want to, his lyrics are still bomb. You are good, hallelujah, you are good. His song is still bomb, you know, it's because it's the truth. Who is, God, who is good? God. So the song is not wrong, doesn't matter who's singing it, because all of us are imperfect. But again, it again highlights a reality that we have to be careful that we're not putting people on pedestals and thinking that they are the mark that we're trying to reach. The mark is Jesus. The mark is Jesus. And anybody who, you know, who is living the life of Christ gonna go through some struggles and gonna go through some trials and tribulations and hard times. So we gotta be careful to not put these people on pedestals and think that they're so high and mighty that they can do no wrong. And also and also make sure that, you know, that we recognize who our leaders are, and if God so allows us to call them out when they're living a life contrary to what the gospel preaches. Do it in love, but do it nonetheless. So that, you know, we're all, so that we're all in, a, in alignment with Christ. But again, we got to be careful. And we're not pumping them up to be the bastions of our faith. 
because the only one whose mark we should be trying to reach for is Jesus. And if we're not careful, if they fall, we'll fall with them. Again, talking about a lot of Christians, a lot of a lot of ex-Christians, as they call themselves, who they the wool was taken off their eyes. They gave up on God. But they gave up on God because they gave up on the people that they thought were living for God. And when they found out that they weren't, or found out that God is God doesn't operate the way that their preachers and pastors taught them, they gave up on God. Rather than just saying, well, that's my fault for trying to follow the pastor anyway. I shouldn't be following him. I should be following Jesus. You know, people people often ask the question, you know, you know, what are you what are you a Christian for? Like what 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 is your mission in the faith? And I tell people all the time, my mission is simply to give people Jesus. And they make up their own minds. I ain't got a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. I just know who saved me. And I know the life that he's calling me to live. And I t- and I choose to share that with y'all so that you make up your own mind. But please don't follow me. Because I ain't, I'm not one to follow. Follow Jesus. I, I'll point you to him. But don't follow me. I'm busted up. I'm broken. I'm imperfect. I can't die for nobody's sins. Not even my own. So again, saying all that to say before I run off on a tangent. We, the people of God, have to be watchful of who we are aspiring and in, 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 in trying to be. People want to, they love Beyonce, love Sierra, love Ashanti. And they, and they love them because they're perpetuating that single lady's lifestyle. Go, go get yours and all that. But these same ones, full married, got children, living that family life. All oh, my single ladies. All oh, my single ladies. You know. But they're perpetuating the lifestyle to get your money. We got to be careful that we're not lifting them up to be the standard of which we're trying to aspire to in the lyricism or in their lifestyle. Because the lyrics showing up don't match the life that they're living. The life that they're putting on. Two totally different things. What's the last marriage song that you heard any of these singers sing? In the last five years. Can you name one? You can find one that you can kind of twist and manipulate to be about a spouse. But I mean, I'm talking about where, where, where's the la- when was the last let's get married song? You feel me? Meet me at the altar in your white dress. We ain't getting no younger. Might as well do it. Feeling you all the while, girl. And I must confess. Girl, let's just get married. I just want to get back. When's the last time you heard somebody singing a song about marriage? Singing a song about kids? Let's start a family. Like, when's the last time you heard somebody singing about that? And that being the bulk of the song and not a reason to get in somebody's pants. Girl, you so good. You may want to change your last name. Like, 
when's the last time you actually heard somebody sing a song about love and fidelity? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, saying all that to say, the wife telling me to stop. <laughs> um, saying all that to say, like, when was the last time you heard one of your favorite singers and artists say something of substance, and it matched their lives? That's because that, that's the key, matching their lives. Again, Fat Joe said ninety-five percent of his lyrics, and I know he's exaggerating, but ninety-five percent of his lyrics were lies. How many people do we listen to regularly and they're lying to us, yet we lift them up as the standard bearers of which we're trying to live our lives? We're allowing their songs to be the soundtrack of our lives and those songs are not the lives that they're living by a long shot. They want your money. They're making their songs for you. So if we want them to stop making the music, we got to stop buying the music, got to stop streaming the music. But again, in the world we live in today, when are they going to do that? Come on. Let's call a spade a spade. So saying all that to say, believers in God, be watchful. Check your heart. Check your pulse. Make sure you're not causing yourself to be following after people or following after things that are following after people rather than following after Jesus. Because if you find out that your favorite pastor is doing things behind closed doors he ain't got no business doing, will your faith withstand that? If you find out that your favorite gospel artist, you know, is, is in a scandal, will your faith withstand that? Because if you're only following Jesus because your favorite artist or your favorite rapper or your favorite this or favorite that is following Jesus, and then they fall short of the glory of God... What are you going to do then? We should not follow man. We should only be following Jesus. We can be inspired by man, no doubt, but we should be following Jesus. We press toward the mark for the prize of the upward call that is in Christ Jesus. Not in you know, Shirley Caesar, not in Jeremy Camp, not in um, Lauren Daigle, not in T.D. Jakes or Joel Osteen, not in Matt Chandler, talking to me, but in Jesus. Jesus is the key. And Jesus is the one that we should be following from now to eternity. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We are with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you've missed any part of this message or would like to listen to past episodes, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Listen to every episode from inception to now. Thank you so, so much for the 3,400 likes that we've received thus far. Every like, every comment, every follow, every share, we appreciate you. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to drop down in the comment box right now and hit us up with any questions or comments that you may have. And later on after the... um. Our final segment of the show, we'll drop down in the comment box and answer any questions that you guys have until the show ends. Uh, thank you so much for watching, and we'll be right back in just a moment.
You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I was talking to a client yesterday um, and was talking about the fact that um, she felt as though she is not able to be herself in her relationship. Uh, she was talking about the talking to me about the fact that you know she tries to keep the peace in her home. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, she's tired all the time and just always feels like she has to do for everybody. She has to do for her husband, has to do for her kids. It has been having to do so her whole life. And so, um, and just feels like there's no room for her anywhere in her, um, in her relationship. It doesn't have the room to be able to do anything or be anything that she wants to be for herself. So I asked her the question, like, what do you like to do? And she said, you know, I like to, um, she said, I like to do escape rooms. You know, I love it. I love a good escape room. And I said, when was the last time that you tried to go to an escape room? And she said, uh, the last time she tried to go was maybe like a month or so ago. Um, and when she was getting, she was, you know, saying, hey, we should still go there. You know, you know, her husband said, you know, why are we spending all this money just to spend an hour in a room? And what she, he was like, I'd rather, you know, do something that's going to, you know, be a whole lot longer and be worth more and be um, more and, be, and worth more our money. I asked her, what else do you like to do? And she said, you know, I like to, I like nature. I like going on hikes and trails, you know, being able to walk, walk in parks and stuff. And I was like, and so when's the last time you did something like that? She said, it's been a while um, because, you know, I tried to ask if we could go this um this one time. And he was like, well, shoot, you don't already rolled your ankle, you know, a, a couple of times. You sure you can put enough pressure on your ankle to go? And she said, well, we won't know unless we go. And he then said, well, you know, what about the kids, though? Because the kids can't keep up. He said, well, I, I can walk slow so the kids can go with us. I mean, and we ain't got to go far, you know, let's let them have that experience. He's like, I just don't know if they'll be able to keep up. Well, we won't know if we don't go. Did they go? No, they didn't go. And so... She said that that's kind of been the story of their lives. Like, if there's anything that she wants to do, not nine times out of ten, they're not going to do it. If there's something that the kids want to do, she's happy to do it with them because they're kids and they, they deserve this opportunity. But her husband, you know, rarely wants to be involved. She said, we tried decorating the tree, you know, the Christmas tree. And wanted to do it as a family. The kids were really excited about it. So we started doing it. And, you know, I didn't want to do the tree, but they wanted to do the tree. So let's go do the tree and make a memory with them. And my husband's just like, you know what, y'all got it. You know, I you know, I don't feel like putting up a tree. You know, y'all got it. And it's like, but dude, you know, it's not for me. It's for the kids. Like, it's the kids. This is a moment for them. And he wouldn't get up and do it. And so she said, on repeat, it feels like, you know, I'm having to always be the one who's sacrificing for the kids or sacrificing for the husband, but no one's ever sacrificing for me or allowing me to do anything that I want to do without there being some type of opposition, being some type of issue, being some type of problem. And when I try to speak up about it, it only frustrates him. It only makes him upset. But then when I don't talk about my feelings or I don't talk about how I feel because I just want to make sure that he's happy, he gets an attitude saying, you're not being yourself. You're being quiet. You're not talking. You're not telling me how you feel. And so I feel stuck in this place where if I do speak up, I'm going to get hurt. If I, if I 
if I don't speak up, I'm going to get hurt. If I say how I feel, you know, he's going to get frustrated and it's going to, you know, start, you know, you know, tear me down. If I don't say anything, he's going to tear me down because I'm not talking. So I don't know what to do. For a lot of us as, um, you know, whether we're saved or unsaved, we can sometimes feel like we are simply a cog in somebody else's machine. We can feel like we are merely a role player in somebody else's, um, on somebody else's team, a supporting cast member of somebody else's play, somebody else's movie. That we, our lives don't matter compared to the lives of the ones we're attached to. And we can sometimes feel that way because we have yet to really own ourselves in our space in our relationships we can also feel that way because we're being smothered by the person that we're with that's trying to make us be who they want us to be instead of allowing us to shine in our lives in and thrive in ways that are healthy and beneficial to us i tell couples all the time when you're in a relationship with somebody, that doesn't mean that you lose yourself. When you're in a relationship with someone, you are two whole individuals that are building a life together. But your individuality doesn't leave you just because you're in a relationship. Or at least it's not supposed to. By and large, a lot of couples find themselves losing themselves in the relationship. Sometimes they will lose ourselves because we're just so enmeshed and so in love and so, you know, just wanting to be up under somebody that we lose who we are as a result of wanting to be so up under somebody else. But other times we can find ourselves losing ourselves in a relationship because the person that we're with wants us to fit an exact box and any deviation out of that box will be met with frustration with anger with malice with a lot of arguments a lot of disagreements and even threats to leave the relationship and no person can withstand the weight of being what another person wants them to be God has called us all to be individuals. If you're in a relationship, that doesn't change your individuality. Just because my wife and I are married does not mean that my salvation is credited to her. She's got to work out her own salvation. It's like I got to work out my own salvation. God's not going to call us up to the heavens and say, okay, William's family of four and the dog. William's family. He's going to say, Eddie Williams. Jaquita Williams. Marie, you're, like, you're going to call us one by one. You're going to call us one by one. And so we, as individuals, are entitled to an individual life apart from 
our spouses, apart from our children, apart from our families. You are allowed to still be you. Now, you can't be you in sacrifice of the family. That, that's not going to work either. Like, don't swing the pendulum all the way to the other side. But you have to make room and you got to make space for yourself. So, two things. One, figure out what are the things that God has placed inside of you that makes you happy, that makes you feel good, that gives your life meaning, value, and purpose, and glorifies God. I got to make sure, make sure we put that in there. And it glorifies God. Okay? There are some things that make people happy that ain't glorifying to Jesus. Okay? So I'm not saying to go out and do what you want to do. Do the things that will glorify God. But what are those things? If going going on nature going on nature hikes glorifies God, go go marvel at nature, marvel at the trees, marvel at the ground, all that stuff. That's that's some good work that glorifies God. Going to an escape room is a good work that glorifies God. Solving a puzzle, trying to get out of this room before we, you know, get hurt, you know, <laughs> you know, as a metaphor, you know, save the world in sixty minutes. Um, but again, what are those things that you do that that stir up your soul, that make you happy, that make you feel good, and be about the business of doing those things? That's that's first and foremost. Second, and, and more to the point, if you find yourself not having room to be you in your relationship, it's time to reevaluate the relationship. Notice, I didn't say break up. I didn't say get a divorce. I said reevaluate your relationship to see whether or not your partner can assist in providing room for you to be you in your relationship. And I ain't talking about in just word. I'm talking about in deed and consistency. Because people quick to say in words when they in therapy. But do they really live up to the words in practice? And can they do it consistently? And if you find that there that ain't nothing changing and you're still being a cog in someone else's machine, or you are causing someone to be a cog in a machine and you won't have it any other way, then you may need to think about breaking up. You may need to think about, you know, getting a divorce because at that point, it's teetering on the, um, on the edge of abuse. It's teetering on the edge of violence. And violence isn't always physical. Sometimes the violence and the abuse that we that we deal with are on an emotional and a mental and a spiritual level. And if you are being spiritually abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused, you have ground to get up out of there. And so again, if you find yourself in a place where you you don't you don't know who you are, you don't know what you're doing outside of other people. Look at your life and ask yourself the question, what are the things that you would like to do that give your life meaning, value, and purpose? Even if that thing is binge-watching TV. If it's something that makes you feel good, something that, get, that you know stirs your heart up, you know, hey, go binge some stuff. 
Lord knows I do. It inspires me to be able to write my books for crying out loud, let alone being able to have something for um, the wife and kids and, um, to enjoy and to talk about and all that. So, you know, whatever that thing is, do it. And do it in a way that honors God. Okay? And if you feel like you are not in a place or a position in your life where you can be yourself, and particularly your relationship feels like it's smothering, feels like you can't be you, feels like you can't do you, feels like you don't have the freedom to, to, to roam, to be your fullest self apart from the person that you're in a relationship with, it is time to reevaluate your relationship. It's time to be able to say, I need space to be me. I need time to be me. If I want to lay down in my bed for an hour, I should be able to lay down in my bed for an hour. If I want to go to a restaurant, whether it's by myself or with my friends, I should be able to do that. And if I want to be able to, if I want to go, you know, to the supermarket by myself for an hour, just roam through Walmart by myself, I should be able to do that. If I want to go to an escape room, I don't care how much money it costs. If that's something I, that I like and I want to do, I'll spend my own money to do it. But if it's something that I want to do, and it's something that makes me feel good, it makes me feel alive, it makes me feel like I'm thriving, and it glorifies God, then I should have the freedom to be able to do it in a way that honors God and respects the family. Because again, we ain't trying to sacrifice family for the sake of the things that I want to do. If I got to sacrifice the family to do what I want to do, I need to reevaluate what I want to do and why I want to do it. Nevertheless, if you don't feel like you have room in your relationship to do that, you need to reevaluate the relationship. And in reevaluating the relationship, then make a decision as to whether or not we can keep we can keep this relationship going or whether we need to, you know, chunk the deuces. Or at the end of the day, no relationship can carry, no person can carry the weight of being what the other person wants them to be always. That's not relationship. That's dictatorship. And last time I checked, the only king that we serve is Jesus. When it tells us in scripture to submit one to another, See, the thing I love, the thing, the thing that always gets me about people um, when they talk about husbands should submit, I mean, wives should submit to their husbands, is that they forget the verse above that that says everyone should submit one to another. We don't want to talk about that, though. Matter of fact, just in case y'all think I'm lying. No, uh -uh. That ain't true. That's not what the Bible says. Bet. Verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. But then verse 20 and 21 giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another 
out of reverence for Christ. I'm just saying. I didn't say it. The word said it. Submit one to another. So we ain't running dictatorships in our houses, men. Husbands, we ain't running dictatorships. We ain't showing off chest talking about, I run this house. Uh, no. Christ runs this house. And we submit one to another. So again, saying all that to say, we should allow room for our spouses, for our children to be themselves. We lead them in the path of righteousness, but we allow God the space in the room to allow them to be themselves. Not to fit a box that we think they ought to live. This is how I want my family to be. No, how does God want them to be? And how do we accommodate for the glory of God to, to reign in our homes so that our children and our wives and our husbands can thrive? Not just as husbands, wives, and children, but as the image-bearing, soul-stirred children of God as individuals. Because again, yes, we are in relationship with each other. We are in community with one another. But we are also complete individuals with a God-given purpose, a God-given destiny, God-given desires, God-given interests. And we should be given the room to flourish in those spaces in a way that honors God, doesn't sacrifice the family, so that we can thrive. That is our charge. And if, you, again, you feel like you're in a relationship where you're having to play cog to someone else's machine and after talking with them, reevaluating the relationship, realizing he, did, he or she ain't going to have it any other way, it may be time to bow out. Because we are not slaves or servants to anyone except Jesus. We submit one to another and we do for one another, but not at our not at not at our soul's expense. So I submit to you, brothers and sisters, today. If you find yourself in a relationship or in a situation where you are feeling like if you do step out of line, that there will be consequences and repercussions that are that are un, unreal and unnecessary, reevaluate your relationship. Get into therapy, get into counseling, get into church or something and talk to somebody about the state of your relationship and see if there is reconciliation to be had. Recognizing you cannot do all the work on your own, your partner's got to step up and do their work too. And after, and after a certain amount of time, if they're still acting like this is what they're going to do, this is who they're going to be, ain't no changing, you need to reevaluate your relationship and decide whether or not it's better for you to leave. Because it is better for you to enter the kingdom of heaven with one hand or one eye than to keep both of them and you end up in hell. That's the word. No relationship is worth the kingdom. 
My wife loves me, but I'm not worth the kingdom. Children love me, but I'm not worth the kingdom. So if we've fallen out of line with one another to the point where we can't get it together, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. Cut it off. I'm not saying to do it on the first instance of trying. I'm talking about you and you to put in a really good effort. And if after you've done all that and it still ain't for your soul's sake, what price are you willing to pay for eternal peace? And if you're willing to pay it, do what needs to be done so that your soul your soul can be saved, your soul can be revived. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much for the 3,400 likes that we received today. Every like, every comment, every follow, every share. If you missed any part of this message or would like to listen to past episodes, you can subscribe right now to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Listen to every episode from inception to now. We thank you so much for watching. When we come back, we're going to be talking about FSU getting knocked out of the college football playoff and how that's actually a good thing for the sport, even though next year they're going to um, switch the entire format, um, which is already pre-planned before, um, before um, on Sunday. But we thank you so much. We'll be right back in just a moment.
You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, if you are a fan of college football, um, you may or may not be frustrated as crap um, because of who is in the college football playoff uh, this year for 2023. Um, uh, Michigan, Washington, uh, Florida State, and Alabama got into the uh, college football playoff. Um, so in our in our something praiseworthy today, I am thanking God for the committee that made the selection. And let me tell you why. I'm going to read this off to you guys. Um, the committee's official selection principles listed on the playoff website include conference championships won, strength of schedule, head-to-head -head competition, and comparative outcomes against common opponents. Crucially, they also include other relevant factors such as unavailability of key players and coaches that may have affected the team's performance during the season or likely will affect its postseason um, performance. Now, um, back before there was a college football playoff, we had the BCS, right? And the BCS rankings were this was this arbitrary computer that did all these kind of randomized things and spit out who were the best two teams that were going to go for the national championship? There was no playoff. It was just a computer that decided if you had 19 teams that went undefeated, which of those two teams are the best team in the nation? Best teams in the nation. They are the, the only two teams that are going to compete for the championship. So no other teams are going to compete for the championship. No matter whether you were undefeated, you know, in this conference, that conference didn't matter. The best two teams based on a computer was going to determine who was going into the um? Who's going to the playoff? And everybody every year was so upset. Oh my gosh! I can't believe y'all let this team go and then let this team go. This team go every year. This team don't get to go. Oh my gosh! They made a case. They won this. They won that. Blah 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 blah. Right. So the people heard everything that everybody was saying. Said, "All right then, let's come up with a way." in order to make sure that as best as possible, the four best teams get into this get into this thing. So they wrote these rules that I just read to y'all. I'm going to read them again, just in case you didn't hear me the first time. The committee's official selection principles listed on the playoff website includes conference championships won, strength of schedule, head-to-head -head competition, and comparative outcomes against common opponents. Crucially, they also include other relevant factors such as unavailability of key players and coaches that may have affected a team's performance during the season or likely will affect its postseason performance, right? So, they wrote these rules and got 13 people to help decide who are the best four teams going into this playoff, right? So, every year, Somebody gets iced out of the out of the out of the thing. So I've always said this from day one: if you want to get in, you gotta win. If you want to get in, you gotta win. Now, as a result of that, Georgia had one job to do: just the one, win your game. Georgia would have won that game; would have been no problem, no issue. They won their game. What are we talking about here? That's all they had to do is win their game. That's it. Just win. 
win and you're in. But because they lost to God dang it, I don't want to cuss because it rhymes, but I'm not going to do it. God dang Alabama. And Texas won their conference championship with the same record that Alabama did with their conference championship. They put them up against Florida State. And Florida State's strength of schedule and strength of record, the head-to-head competition and the strength of schedule, despite the fact they won a championship, was woefully weak compared to Alabama's and Texas's. Period. Period. Period, point blank. It was weak. Georgia didn't win their conference championship against Alabama. And as a result of that, they put those three teams up against each other and said, out of these three teams, Alabama, Texas, and Florida State, which one can't go? Because Washington did their job. They won their game. Michigan did their job. They won their game. So there are, Matt, there are, those are the two that they're already two getting in. There's only two more spots. Everybody can't go. Only two spots left. And again, according to the rules, we got conference championship one, strength of schedule, head-to-head competition, comparative outcomes, and the unavailability of players. Key players. Because they want the competition to be as fair and as fierce as it possibly can be. Right? So, they put those three teams together and said, when you look at these three teams, which ones need to go and which one are we leaving out? And they decided that because of Texas's strength of record and strength of schedule and Alabama's strength of record and strength of schedule and because of Florida State's both weak strength of record and strength of schedule and the lack of their of their two quarterbacks, not one, but two quarterbacks fell. The first one broke his leg or broke or either broke his leg or, or, or broke his ankle or something. And the second had a concussion. It's got a concussion. So neither one of them are a lock to go um, with, when it comes playoff time. Now, mind you, the playoff ain't going to happen until January, so I'm sure he can overcome a concussion. But he's still a second-string quarterback, and they struggled compared to the first, with the first guy. First guy was killing everybody. Second guy, you know, it was a struggle. And going on the third guy, they struggled mightily to win that game. Mightily to win that game. And so, again... They looked at those three those three criteria, the rules that they set because everybody was so mad at the BCS. And they said the two best teams are Texas and Alabama. Oh, this is a travesty against college football. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. It's a sad day for, for college football everywhere. Y'all they never going to be satisfied. Never going to be satisfied. I thank God this is the last year that the, seat, that the college football playoffs has to do this kind of format because now next year when they go to when they expand to 12, all of this stuff will be averted. Now, people will be arguing about, very well, he should, they should get a buy and all that kind of stuff. And that, 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 that'll be parts, you know, splitting hairs. But we ain't got to worry about this no more. And yet, again, y'all so upset. No, this is a travesty against college football. These are the rules we agreed to. 
Now you want to be mad at Well, the rules should be changed. Y'all ain't never satisfied. Y'all are never satisfied. I told everybody, my friends and my family, I said I, 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 Alabama's going to find a way to get in this doggone playoff. They're going to find a way. And sure enough, when they beat Georgia, they found a way. They found a way. They found a way. And I'm so upset that they found a way to get in this doggone playoff. Georgia had one job to do. Just the one. Just the one. But they couldn't get it done. And so now, Alabama them found their way back into the playoffs all over again. But they earned it. Because what did they do? They won their games. So again, saying all that to say, saying all that to say, my something praiseworthy today, I thank God for the committee. Because despite the pressure and despite the ridicule and the ostracism that they're receiving, the backlash that they're receiving, the best four teams got into the playoffs. The best four teams got into the playoffs. I don't care what, I don't care what nobody's saying. And I know I only got five people watching, but I don't care. The best four teams got into the playoffs. They did this right based on their rules. They didn't change their rules last minute so that they can appease somebody. They didn't change the script just so they can appease somebody. That sounds just like our Savior. He didn't change the script just to appease some folk. No, the script is the script. He fulfilled said script, and the script is the script. He's not looking and saying, oh, let me make an exception for you because you know this, that, and the third. No, you won't enter the kingdom, you got to repent and believe. No exceptions. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man shall come to the Father but by me. You won't enter the kingdom, you got to repent and believe. There is no getting away from that. You got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. You got to denounce all other gods and say, God is the only God that I'll worship and serve. He's the only one that I'll, that I'll, um, that I'll, that I'll, um, that I'll fall in line with. Allegiance, affections, and attention. He's got it. And everything he says, I am. Everything he says, he is. I believe. Pushing all my chips in to where if they call us to the pearly gates and it ain't Jesus at that gate, I'm doomed. He ain't changing the rules. So make an exception. Matter of fact, scripture speaks to this. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it today. I believe it's in Luke 17. Oh, look at that. Look at that. It's in 16. Luke 16. <laughs> I rolled high. I'm telling I'm mad at y'all, but y'all did y'all job. Y'all did your job. Like, I can't be mad. You beat Georgia. Hey. You deserve to be in. You deserve to be in. Luke chapter 16, starting at verse number 19. Well, no, let me um let me read down. Let me go down. Let me just read the whole thing. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was a late was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores, who desired to be fed 
with, with, um, with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades, being tormented. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And sent Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that in you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he's comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between you, us and you is a great chasm that has been fixed, in order that those who have passed from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. So he tells us, I ain't changing the rules and making exceptions for nobody. You had your opportunity while you were on earth to worship and serve the Lord God and him only, and you chose not to. So now that you're, you know, in the place that you didn't, that you wanted to be in, because again, you ain't want to serve me here, so I'm not going to send you someplace where you're going to serve me forever. Now all of a sudden, you want to be, you want, you want, you want in. I ain't making exceptions. You made your choice. No exceptions. And so again, I thank God that the rules hadn't changed. Not because I, you know, I, I don't want anybody not to go. Like I want everybody to go just like God didn't want it. God wants everybody to go. That's not what I'm saying. But I thank God that the rules are fixed. The fix is in. Repentance and belief is in. And just like the um just like the um the selection committee, they that here are the rules. Make a decision, us 13, make a decision based on these criteria, who are the best four, regardless of the backlash that was coming, regardless of the opposition that's coming, despite letters and threats and all those kind of stuff, because, you know, people going to be people. They, they real happy behind them, um, behind them, um, them keyboards, say whatever they want to say, how they want to say it, when they want to say it, to whoever they want to say it, whenever they want to say it. But won't say it face to face, even though I think some of them will say it face to face, which is another scary thing altogether. But um, they stuck to their convictions and said, "We're not gonna push the line. We're not gonna. We're not gonna betray the sanctity of what we're doing just so that we can let a team in." When we ourselves said. This is what this criteria was set up for, for a scenario just like this. So that the best four teams would go to the championship round. They'll be mad all they want to. But I thank God for the committee for reminding me as a Christian, hold the line. Stay true to your convictions. Stay true to what you know to be true. Stay true to God. Stay true to Christ. And don't, don't bend. Do not bend. Just like Daniel, um, just like um, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Azariah, and, um, and Mishael, those three boys said, throw us in the furnace. We might die. Absolutely we might die. I'm crazy enough to think that God can save us. But even if we don't, even if he don't, I'm not bending the knee. I'm not sacrificing my integrity and sacrificing my God just to appease you. 
we, the believers in God, should have the same conviction. Do we believe in God so much that we will not bow to any other God? So again, my something praiseworthy. No, it sounds funny, right? But my something praiseworthy is the college football selection committee because they stood with their convictions and stood to the truth that they set up so that so that the top four teams could get in the ones who deserve to get in by virtue of what they had done again Florida State can't help that their strength of record and strength of schedule was what it was. Ain't nothing anybody could do about that. Nevertheless, the rules are, were, because again, this ain't going to be, it's not, it's, non, it's null and void next year. Um, but the rules were what the rules were. And they stuck to their convictions. And so we celebrate and hype them up. Because... They did what they were supposed to do. Just like we, the believers in God, should do what we're supposed to do. And that is to serve the Lord, our God, with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. And to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so again, we just thank God on today that he's given us this opportunity to worship him in spirit and truth and to be reminded to simply be reminded that we as the people of God, we as the believers in God, must continue to celebrate and lift up the name of Jesus. And not to bend just because, you know, we want to make exceptions to God's standard. His standard is eternal. His standard is fixed. His standard is everlasting. And we should not bend the standard for the sake of anyone or anything, even ourselves. That's why we need a Savior to help us to hold when we want to be, when we want to bend. Keep me when I don't want to be kept. <clears throat> Strengthen and encourage me that I may move and act and live and breathe as you would have me to. And to God, and to God be the glory for everything that He's doing, everything that He's done, and everything that He continues to do. Uh, because for His sake we live, and for His sake we die. I want to thank each and every one of you for allowing me the opportunity to speak into your lives on today. Thank you so much for watching the True Gospel Morning Show on this morning. Thank you for the 7,400 likes that we've received on today. Thank you for every like, every follow, every comment, and every share. Thank you guys so, so much for just giving me again an opportunity to be able to share a little bit of gospel truth with you guys. And again, thank you for your continued support of the True Gospel Morning Show. As always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies. <laughs>